think my biggest takeaway from this whole experience is manage your expectations. <laughs> that, you know, it's it's nothing like what, you know, those childhood movies you look at and you're like, oh my God, this is going to be my life. It's it's never going to be like that. Even in the most perfect scenario, it's it's not. Who am I? 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 This is Who Am I Really? A podcast about adoptees that have located and connected with their biological family members. I'm Damon Davis, and on today's show, you're going to meet Caitlin. She called me from just outside of Dallas, Texas, where she lives. And it's fortunate that she does live there because, as you'll hear her tell it, someone she really wanted to meet just happened to be in town when they connected. But before Caitlin reached that point, she attempted a reunion with her birth mother. The woman left clues that she wanted to be found, but when she was, she was surprised. Wanting to connect with everyone she could, Caitlin reached out to a cousin, but it was that outreach that soured the reunion. This is Caitlin's journey. Caitlin's parents struggled to have a child, so they turned to adoption. She always knew she was adopted, and it was portrayed as a positive situation to her. They felt God had brought her into their lives, and they were meant to be a family. Her adopted parents never spoke ill of her natural parents, but Caitlin was a tenacious little girl who felt strongly about learning more about herself. Even when she was only nine years old, she was fully prepared to take action to get her information. Probably when I was in elementary school, I was like, you know what, I'm going to go walk up to Washington, D.C., and I'm going to tell them that I should have my birth certificate, that I need to know who my parents are, that this isn't right. And wow. they're like, okay, you know, <laughs> you go and do that. You know, they were, they were supportive, but they knew nothing was going to come of that. That's pretty funny, though, that you felt so empowered that you were ready to walk up to Capitol Hill and make a stand for <laughs> That's, that's pretty funny. Yeah, I, I planned a route and everything. I knew how many miles it was going to be, how many how many miles a day I'd have to walk to get there. Wow, that's hilarious. Good for you. So, what what kind and did then, you have any siblings in your family at all? I did. Uh, my parents actually had kind of a surprise baby when I was about five, and that's my little brother. Wow. And I was really excited about it, but then I think once the time came, I would. I was really upset. Caitlin was about five years old when the spotlight that had been focused exclusively on her suddenly had to be shared with her brother. She said it took a couple of years to get comfortable with her new normal, and she and her brother developed a great relationship. I was curious about how they got along as siblings when they grew up to be teenagers and were therefore more self-aware and probably more fully understanding of the significance of adoption. She said she and her brother were treated the same and acted the same as any other sibling pair did. Of course, any young boy, in my opinion, is far less likely to be in tune with the emotional intricacies of adoption than his own sister would be. Caitlin said she asked her parents questions about her adoption from time to time, yet she was concerned that her parents would feel like her curiosity was fed by something missing in their parenting. But it wasn't that at all. They might feel with me asking about my natural parents, you know, like maybe they're not as good of parents as they could have been. And they were, you know, they were great parents. They still are great parents. Mm -hmm. 
but it was just more taking into account of what they were thinking. You worried. And no one else. Yeah. And no one talks about feelings of adoptees and what that's like. You're expected to feel like, Hey, you know, this is great. I'm in a better situation, you know, whether or not that's really true. That's just kind of what you're supposed to accept. Yeah. How you're supposed to suck it up. Right. Right. And bury your own curiosity for the feelings of your parents who've taken you in. Right. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about, you know, you've said that you've had this desire to search your entire life. I mean, from eight years old, you're ready to trek to Capitol Hill. When did you really start to get the burning feeling that like, I need to do something about this. I need to figure out what's out there. What's, where's my information? What do I need? I need to know. Um, it was actually about that time, you know, maybe nine or 10. Then I found out what hospital I was born at and I emailed them Really, <laughs> from a friend's parents email trying to figure out, you know, if they could send me my birth certificate. Cause I was like, if I could get a name, then I could really take it to the next level. But nothing came of that. My parents are like, we found out what happened. This is just not information that we can provide you since it's a closed adoption. We can't get that information for you until you're 18. But once you do turn 18, we'll give it to you. <laughs> it, it was just uncomfortable, yeah. I think, at that point. And I was like, let's, okay, you know, sounds good. 18, I can wait. Before her 18th birthday, her parents expressed their support and handed Caitlin all of the information they possessed about her adoption. The adoption agency paperwork was all non-identifying, but it had facts contained within that she didn't know before. It covered health issues, her mother's pregnancy and delivery, and her demeanor in foster care for four months. When she turned 18, Caitlin called the adoption agency to request any unredacted information they had for her. Among the artifacts was a letter her birth mother wrote to her long ago, which gave Caitlin her birth mother's name. I called, and they sent me a packet that had the last known address, or if they updated it, which my mom had updated once she moved. So I had all the information from where my dad was when I was born and then also where my mom was currently living at the time when I was 18. Wow. So that would indicate that she was interested in knowing more about you, reuniting with you, because you wouldn't reach back to a social agency through which you've done an adoption to update your whereabouts unless you actually want to be found. And, you know, that's what I thought. <laughs> wow. Before you get to that point, because it sounds like there's a story there, um, tell me a little oh, bit yeah. about the letter that she wrote to you that you received. What did it say? You know, it was a letter that you could tell that an adult sat down with her and helped her write, because there was also a letter from her mom just saying, you know, I'm sorry that we couldn't see you grow up, you know, but this is kind of what's best for everybody. It was just a very kind of emotionless letter but it was almost an apology as well Mm -hmm. what did that do for your feelings toward the whole situation i think i was at that time uh, i was just so excited i was like you know i don't i don't even care you know this is great now i i can keep moving forward and i can keep looking and doing what it is i've always wanted to do Mm -hmm. so i don't it hadn't registered with me yet what exactly that was But to me, anything was better than nothing. Since her birth mother updated her address with the adoption agency, it seemed like Caitlin's mother wanted to be found. 
Caitlin searched online, digging through Facebook and perusing the white pages searching for the woman's current address. After finding the woman's niece on Facebook and gathering enough information, she felt she had a valid address and dropped her a nice introductory note. Caitlin and her mother wrote back and forth for a while. Then things went terribly wrong. I wrote a letter. It was like this silly card, and it, it had a hand on it. And it's like, shake this card back and forth. And you open it up. It's like, that's me saying hi to you. <laughs> and I, I think I put like a couple pictures in there, and I told her, I'm 18. I was able to get all my information that I wanted to from the agency. I wanted to reach out to you. I'm like super excited, probably really enthusiastic in that letter. Mm -hmm. And while waiting for that letter, that's when I messaged her niece. And now this whole time I'm assuming this is like fairy tale, you know, the Disney movies that show you parents and children reconnecting and it's, going to be this dream not once to ever think anything negative could come of it but um we eventually started writing letters back and forth and that was going really well and then one day she called me after kind of refusing to talk on the phone she was just she kind of held back I think it was a lot for her at that time yeah and so she called me and I was at a friend's house and she's just yelling at me about, you know, how dare you message my niece? Nobody knows about you oh. except my husband and obviously my parents. That's something that I've kept to myself. You know, I can't believe you would go behind my back and do that. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is like the first phone call and just start screaming. And so I'm like <clears throat> bawling on the floor. And that's kind of when our conversations stayed in letter form she didn't want to do email she felt like that was a little bit too intrusive but we stayed snail mail and it just the letters just declined you know i was angry all those feelings were coming up of being abandoned and that you know i took it out on her and she i think already had her own separate feelings about the situation and so eventually we just kind of petered out to nothing I was really sorry to hear that the first time Caitlin heard her birth mother's voice on the phone, the woman was screaming at her for divulging her closely held secret. It must have been horrible to be reduced to a puddle of tears and have their communications fizzle out. But for a while there, Caitlin and her mother were talking via snail mail. Aside from the shock of finally being found, her birth mother's letters were very nice, even if they were filled with superficial questions and answers. But Caitlin did get some good information. I found out that she has a son, and so I would ask questions about him, but she wouldn't. She didn't want to give me any information about him. Mm -hmm. Did she give you any information about your own, the circumstances for your own uh, conception and adoption plan? Uh, she told me about the conception. It was like an ex-boyfriend, and they were like at a high school party. And then things went on from there. So your snail mail declined. And mm -hmm. over the course of sort of what period? Because I would imagine, I can imagine if someone called me shouting on the phone, it would take me a while to <laughs> regather the courage to write them a letter. So how, how long did it take you to get back on, you know, pick up the pen again? I honestly think it was 
I mean, shortly after that, it didn't take me very long, but I think through those letters that I sent after that, that was just, you know, me being angry and resentful. And that's when her communication started to decline. It wasn't as positive as it had been before. Mm-hmm. And it was just, it would just make me so angry just getting those letters. I'm like, oh, you know, this is just crap. Yeah. This is not what I wanted or expected. Caitlin told me that she only communicated briefly with her cousin, her birth mother's niece. She introduced herself, sharing that the woman's aunt was her birth mother and relaying what facts she knew about the family to legitimize her assertion that they were related. The niece was shocked, but their contact was very brief after she confirmed Caitlin's birth mother's identity. Then she was cut off. When I asked if Caitlin picked up the pen again to draft her birth mother a letter, she said no, but the woman's husband had reached out to her independently. In her letters, she included her phone number and an email address, so they were in contact periodically throughout the year. He was more forthcoming with information. And I think what he initially wanted to know was, what kind of contact do you want with your brother? Because they were getting ready to tell him, because I think at the time he was maybe 16. This was after maybe two years of us not talking. Mm. So he's 16. They want to tell him, and they're like, you know, if he wants to reach out, are you comfortable with that? And I said, I'm sure, you know, whatever he wants, that's fine with me. Probably email would be best. And then, you know, a couple emails here and there every year. So Caitlin's birth mother and her husband seem to have told their son about her existence. But Caitlin never felt comfortable following up to ask if they had and how it went. When we spoke at the end of 2017, Caitlin had only just reached out to her half-brother for the first time. He said they told him about her back then, but he didn't know what to do with the information that she existed. That's a lot of information to handle, and what do you do with that? Right, right. How do I reshuffle my world as a probably fairly self-centered teenage boy and invite, (laughs) you know, an older female sibling that I never had before into the mix. That's got to be a little bit hard. Caitlin said her experience with her brother has been more positive than with their mother. They email to touch base about once a month or so, and we agreed that a little something from him is better than a whole lot of nothing. I asked Caitlin where things are more recently with her birth mother. She said she emailed with her birth mother's husband to ask if she was open to talking again. He replied back as nice as he could, but basically saying that, you know, I don't think she's ready at this time. And she's aware of all these emails between us. That's like not a secret. I think that's just kind of her way of keeping touch and it's easier for her right now. I don't know. It's kind of at a standstill, I guess. Caitlin had expressed her apologies to her birth mother through her limited contact with the woman's son and her husband. She said she sent messages to her through them. Apologizing for things in the past, but also like, let's move forward and just get to know each other at the, at the least right now. Mm-hmm. Reintroduce yourselves. Did you get a response right. from your biological grandmother? I did not, but you know, I, I try not to bring my little brother into it too much, but I, I mean, I had to ask, I'm like, you know, did they get my letter? <laughs> is there, yeah. is there anything coming to this? And he's like, they got it. I think I heard him talk about it, but I don't know what they're going to do. Well, at least you know that it's not completely closed, right? There's still discussion. Right. There's still emails coming from time to time. The door is not 
totally closed. So that can't be all bad. No, and I mean, I still hold out hope for that. Yeah. Caitlin told me that growing up, she was only concerned about finding her biological mother and had not thought about her birth father at all. But as she was corresponding with her mother, it hit her that there was a whole other person out there who was also a contributor to her life. So I asked, you know, do you think he'd ever be interested in contacting me probably when I was 18? And she's like, I I really don't know. And she kind of made it seem like it wouldn't be well received. But I think at that point I had to look because I'm just a headstrong person and I've got to find out. So Mm -hmm. his information was a lot harder to find because the last information known about him was when he was at military school. When she looked up his name online, she found a bunch of applications for amateur ham radio operator permits, a phone number, and an address. She held on to the information for a month and didn't try to make contact at all. Caitlin continued to search for information online, but she changed her focus to searching for anyone looking for her former self. Maybe a month or two later after that, I looked up my birth name and I just like added the words adoption to the end of it in Google. And I pulled up some post like on an adoption search website. And it was actually my dad looking for me probably when I was like 13 years old. And half of the information was incorrect just because he didn't know a lot of what was going on. But I was like, there's no way this can't be me. That's kind of what finally gave me the courage to look for him. Later, Caitlin learned from her birth father that he had seen an episode of the Oprah Winfrey show about adoption. They told viewers that adding their name and information to a search and reunion registry would make it easier for the viewers and audience to be found. The day she found her birth name on the reunion registry, she called the phone number listed there, but she wasn't prepared for what happened next. Again, you know, me expecting like the absolute perfection of this situation uh, thinking he's going to pick up the phone. His wife picks up the phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh my God, Uh-oh. this is going to sound really weird. Like some woman calling on the phone for him. Yeah. I'm like, what if she doesn't know about me? You know, I'm like, oh my gosh, I didn't prepare for this at all. So I just left a really like, you know, just like, Hey, you know, this is Caitlin just trying to reach him. If you can have him call me back at this number. And she's like, uh, Okay. <laughs> Yeah, that must have sounded super weird. (laughs) I think about two hours later, I got a phone call from a different phone number, but I could tell it was a Michigan number. And I pick up the phone. He's like, hey, I got a call from you. You left a message with my wife. You know, what's this about? And so I was like, you know, my name's Caitlin, but my name at birth was, you know, blah, blah, blah. Does that mean anything to you? And it got real quiet. And he's like, oh, I, I know exactly who you are. Boy. And he kind of stopped. And then he goes, you know, I see you're calling me from a Dallas phone number. Do you live around there? I was like, yeah. He's like, the crazy thing is, is I couldn't pick up the phone earlier because I was on a plane headed to Dallas for the first time. And I, d- I just touched down. And I was like, Whoa. <laughs> what? <laughs> It was just the most perfect timing. It was unbelievable. He's like, well, let's meet up tomorrow. And I was like, holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) You must have been freaking out. You must have been freaking out. 
I think both of us were. It was just like a lot of silence and a lot of, uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> the pair arranged to meet at Chili's restaurant near Caitlin's house. She got herself dressed for a good first impression. You know, I'm getting all dressed up, ready to go. And I go to the Chili's parking lot and I'm like, I'm going to throw up. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle this right now. And I call my friend. I'm like, I'm freaking out. It took Caitlin's friend a lot of prodding to help her get the courage to go into the restaurant. And her father had even called her while she was on the phone with her friend. I just need to go in there and finally, probably 30, 45 minutes, I was able to walk in there. And it was, it was just one of those surreal kind of moments. You're like, holy crap, like what is going on right now? It's like finally a piece of the puzzle is there. And I think one of the first things he said to me, like as well, as I was walking up, he's like, wow, you look just like her, you know, just like my mom. Mm. And so we ended up talking all night and we closed Chili's down. Like they had to be like, okay, it's time for us to go. You need to leave. At the time, Caitlin didn't have any pictures of her birth mother. So the news that they looked just alike was a shock. During that first visit, Caitlin didn't mention how poorly things had gone with her birth mother. She was focused on the moment with her birth father and how well things were going. He talked about dating her birth mother, Caitlin's conception, and the details of his side of the situation many years ago. When he was in military school, he didn't really know what to do, trying to figure out if he should tell his parents or not. His parents at the time didn't even know about me mm. or that I existed. He talk to like the military chaplain there and the chaplain's like you got to get out of this situation you need to put that baby up for adoption and so I I think right after he met me is when he told his parents and then he told his kids and turns out his wife had always known um, he started dating his now wife while I um, was still in utero and so he told her everything and she's always known and um, she's just been super accepting and supportive of the whole thing. Caitlin's paternal grandmother was excited for the news. She found Caitlin on Facebook and was ready to head to Dallas to meet her. About a year later, their whole family made the trip, including her birth father's mother, his wife, and their kids. I asked Caitlin if she picked up any family similarities. She said that her husband recognizes characteristics of hers that she must get from her paternal grandmother. Yeah, I can see a lot of similarities, especially in personality and like handling emotional stress. It's just kind of like you put up that wall and you're done. And they're, they, you find they're the same way? At least with him, yeah. Mm -hmm. Not his mom. She's very open with everything. She wants to know everything. She wants me to know everything. She's been really great with all of this. Caitlin has two paternal half-siblings, a brother and a sister, much younger than herself. When her birth father told his young children about Caitlin, they were about five and eight years old. Caitlin said they were really sweet to her when they all met in Texas. And since then, she was able to involve her whole family in her special day. They were actually part of my wedding. I had my brother and sister in my wedding kind of like as junior bridesmaid, junior groomsmen. Oh, that's cool. And so my dad, his wife, and his mom and stepdad all came down. That's really cool. 
congrats on that. Mm-hmm. That's really awesome. You were able to invite them to your own wedding. That's neat. Yeah. And then I think it was like the night before, maybe a couple nights before I got married. That's when my dad got to meet my adopted family. Oh yeah. And how was that? <laughs> how, how have they been? Oh, how, how has your adoptive family been through the whole <laughs> process? They've been supportive, but they've, they've, you know, stepped back. They haven't tried to be too nosy. I know they want to know a lot, but they've kind of left this as, as long as you're doing okay, as long as they're not weird and there's nothing strange going on, then, mm-hmm. you know, go about your business. And, and they would check up on me every now and again and see how things were going. But, um, as soon as, you know, my biological dad walks in through the door, my mom just erupts into tears. Oh, wow. It was heavy. I'll bet. I'll bet. That must have been really crazy. Oh, yeah. So I was like, okay, let's hurry up this. <laughs> <laughs> I can't handle much of this. Let's, you met him. Uh, let's go to dinner now. Wow. You were ready to usher the thing along before it got too deep, huh? Yeah, no, I could, I could tell he was uncomfortable. I was uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I know my adopted dad was like, "Oh my God, what is happening right now? <laughs> this is a mess." That must have been cool, though, for all of them to be able to meet. I mean, you were the central and focal point of your parents' lives, and now you know your biological father has connected with you. And you know, it's not as though he didn't know you existed. He always knew you were out there. He was looking for you. He must have wondered. It must have been so cool oh, yeah. for them to just be able to sort of focus right in the middle on you together. Yeah, it was definitely a lot. I asked Caitlin what her hopes were for the future. Really, she just wants to be in contact with her father. When she texts, he texts back, and she likes that. On her maternal side, she hopes the situation will heal and her birth mother will change her mind. I guess still just holding out hope for my mom I mean it would take a lot for me to believe that nothing's ever going to change in that situation right I mean if she it's very easy to just summarily close the door and the fact that that hasn't happened yet means there's a ray of hope and you know know, they say time heals all wounds and I suspect at some point she's going to come around what do you tell other adoptees if they're thinking about searching and what pieces of your story do you share that you think are poignant to them? I think my biggest takeaway from this whole experience is manage your expectations (laughs) that, you know, it's, it's nothing like what, you know, those childhood movies you look at and you're like, Oh my God, this is going to be my life. It's, it's never going to be like that. Even in the most perfect scenario, it's, it's not, you know, they're just, too many moving pieces, too many people and emotions involved. And I think you need to do some research on, you know, biological parents or natural parents and their feelings on the situations, read about all different types of stories. Yeah. Because, you know, they only want to show you the happy ones. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think that's always the case. I don't even think that's the majority really. No, I don't I don't think it is. And and I think even for those that seem to be among the happiest, there are elements that are 
challenging and sad and disappointing and, you know, aggravating uh, in them. So, right. yeah, I mean, I consider myself to be among them. I've had, I had a phenomenal reunion experience with my biological mother and I was able to find my biological father completely by accident through DNA testing. And it all sounds like a fairy tale, but in the middle was this part where my biological mother had named one guy that she thought was my father. It turned out it wasn't him. And there was this, and he just uh, wrote me a note and was like, Hey, I'm not the guy. And there was, that was, you know, so my point being on the spectrum of all of these stories where some of them just absolutely seem to be fairy tales. If I told only part of mine, it would sound like a fairy tale, but there was that moment in the middle where I was like, crap, I'm never going to find this other guy. Um, so yeah, they're, they're all different. Everybody's adoption story and everybody's reunification attempt is different. Well, Caitlin, this has been fascinating to hear. I'm so thankful for you that you were able to get contact with your biological father. I mean, to be able to find him online like that, that was really super lucky and pretty cool. And I love the idea that (laughs) Oprah's, you know, initiative to help people find each other was part of the catalyst for him getting online and trying to register to find you. And of course, I hope, hope, hope that your mom will turn around and eventually welcome you back into her heart and we'll open up communications with you again. So I wish you the best in that regard. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks so much for sharing your story, Caitlin. I appreciate it. Of course. Thank you. Take care. All the best. You too. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's me. It can be so crazy when adoptees find the family we're looking for. We want so badly to connect with parents, siblings, cousins, and more. So much that sometimes the misstep of contacting someone other than the birth parent can be catastrophic, as it was for Caitlin. Still, her birth mother hasn't completely slammed the door shut. She has not forbidden her family members from speaking to Caitlin, and she hasn't declared that she never wants to talk to Caitlin again. So there's still hope. And I hope things will change in time. Thinking of her birth father, how amazing was their first contact that he had just flown into her city and was ready to immediately meet her? As she described it, I imagined the pair being the last ones in Chili's with all of the chairs turned upside down on the tables and the staff patiently waiting for them to leave on their own. It must have been so cute and really validating to be able to include her own little brother and sister in her wedding day. It's really great that Caitlin had a positive reunion with her birth father to balance out the unfortunate turn her other reunion took. I'm Damon Davis, and I hope you'll find something in Caitlin's journey that inspires you, validates your feelings about wanting to search, or motivates you to have the strength along your journey to learn. Who am I, really? If you would like to share your story of locating and connecting to your biological family, visit whoamireallypodcast.com slash share. You can also find the show at facebook.com slash really or follow me on Twitter at really. And please, if you like the show, you can subscribe to Who Am I Really on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, take a moment to share a rating or leave a comment. Those ratings can help others find the show too.